0: How would you like to learn how to buy an already profitable business? Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this episode, I'm talking with Ryan Condi, who focuses on acquiring, growing, and holding online businesses for the long term. He started eight businesses where six failed and two succeeded, and he's also bought four businesses and continues to grow these businesses whilst working as an M&A advisor at Quiet Light Brokerage. Now, in this podcast episode, it's so jam-packed, and I'm really thrilled to share this with you. Ryan and I talk about the most popular questions and commonly asked questions that we get from first-time buyers to wanting to buy a website business. We talk about how much you should spend on your first website business. We also answer the question, what type of business should you buy? Then we go through and talk about what type of business you should not buy as well. We also talk about what should you do if you want to quit your job, and then what you should do, which is a different strategy, if you just want to make a little extra money through buying website businesses. And then Ryan goes through and shares some examples of two of his friends, one who bought a $5,000 online business, an e-commerce business, and one who bought a $2.5 million business. and why they would bought the right businesses for them at different stages of their journey, and what you should be thinking about when you're buying your first website as well. We talk about how Ryan transitioned into working as an advisor at Quiet Light. And we also talk about how Ryan and I worked out after many years, what skills we were better at better at as entrepreneurs and what we didn't like doing in our business and how we went and outsourced those tasks and what process we went through to for that discovery to actually happen for us. Then we talk about, lastly, how the industry has grown, how the buying online businesses industry has grown, who's in the space, where the big money's coming from, and where this space is headed. So this is such a valuable episode. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Before we get stuck in, I want to tell you that Ryan and I talk about due diligence a lot. We talk about buying websites and I don't want you to go away and risk your own money without knowing how to do due diligence. So make sure you go away and get my due diligence framework, which a lot of people have been raving about. It's what I use and what my clients use to do due diligence on businesses. And you can get that by going to buyingonlinebusinesses.com for us free resources, or you can click the link in the show notes and grab that for yourself to use as well. Let's get stuck in. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish, so from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So, if you're looking to outrank your competitors content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you wanna start investing in websites but don't wanna drop $20,000 on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odie's done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority buy a premium age domain with built-in authority great seo and fresh quality content for your website head to odys.global to check out their great deals that's o-d-y-s dot G-L-O-B-A-L. link will be in the description too I get asked this all the time like how much should I spend on my first business? Um, and I have my own thoughts and opinions around it. Um, but for somebody starting out, what would you say? How would you answer them? Ryan, who wants to get into
1: this? Yeah. So uh, probably similar to you. I get this question a lot and a question that kind of goes along with it is, Hey, is this a good business? (laughs) Is this a good site? And I would say, um, you can't, you can't approach things like that. How much should I spend on the first one? Or is this a good business? Because, um, I think there's a few factors. Everybody's got different goals. And like you said, you've got very certain goals and a lot of it is reducing stress and increasing income. You know, sometimes those can, if you find something that can increase your income, but also dramatically increases your stress, it's not the right business for you. So anybody who's looking to acquire a business, start a business, start five, 10 years ahead from now and say, looking back, what kind of business and lifestyle do I want? What kind of goals am I going to meet? I've talked to a lot of people where they just want to make an extra 20 or $30,000 a year on the side. They want to keep their job. They love their job. Well, that's a very different conversation than someone who says, I want to go full-time. I have three kids and I've got these bills I need to pay. You know, They've got to buy totally different businesses. So in taking it a step back, I say, you know, focus five, 10 years from now, what are your goals from it? and that will help determine whether you know you should spend $20,000, $200,000, you know, a million dollars on a business because you're trying to figure out hey, how do I hit my goals and what's the fastest way and easiest way to do that. And if your goals are hey, I want to quit my job and uh, go full time on this business, but I need x amount of money, you know, don't go buy a $5,000 site because it's not going to be able to hit you that goal. It might be a good learning a uh, stepping stone, but you know that that's how I approach it. So yeah. when I say like when someone, how much money should they buy in their first site? It's it's what they feel comfortable with, and maybe this first site is learning, and and they're using using it as a stepping stone. Well, that's very different. I also think everybody has a different risk profile. Um, I probably have a much higher risk tolerance than most people. I would imagine my people might think the same of you too, Jared. Um, yeah. So. In in that sense, like if it's going to keep you up at night, it's probably not a good business for you, right? Or if the amount that you're spending on this business is going to keep you up at night, you might want to rethink that because um, that that goes to show it's probably not the best fit for you because nothing is worth, you know, if you can't sleep for six months straight, that's not really worth anything, right? Uh, Because you're not going to operate well at home with your family. Uh, You're not going to operate well in the business because, you know, it's so stressful. So I think there's a line. Um, I typically say the smaller the business, the riskier it is. Um, but the downside is so much less to the owner and the operator and the buyer. Mm. So, um, I, I would say there, there's a couple different points and people need to figure out what their risk tolerance is, what they can afford, what their skill sets, what they're bringing to the table and ultimately what their goals are. Um, I've seen some people buy a close friend of mine just bought his first business and he spent $5,000 on it. He actually bought it from an, from an Aussie. And, uh, Um, got the inventory shipped here and everything, and he's loving life and just, it it was great startup for him. I've got another friend who went big and, you know, he wanted to go full-time in it and he spent two and a half million dollars on the acquisition, right? So those are two wildly different numbers, but they're both hitting their goals of what they're trying to do. And they're both okay with that comfort level. I would imagine my friend who bought this $5,000 e-commerce business, um, he's going to use this as a learning experience and then he's going to roll it into the next one and the next one and say two or three years from now, he'll probably be buying a lot bigger businesses. But for now, the right business for him is $5,000.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a very hard question to answer. And that's beautifully said, Ryan. It is just so, because you just need to know your own personal situation. You need to know your risk tolerance. You need to know how much capital you have at the time or I can get access to, you also need to know like your skill set. Like there's so many things that are involved with it. And that's, I think it's probably one of the biggest hurdles that everybody has when they're coming to this space is like, what sort of business should I buy? How much should I spend and how's it going to look? And I guess that's something that you, you probably talk about a lot with, with people um, uh, at quiet light, right? So I wanted to ask you about quiet light. How long have you? How long have you been doing that? I didn't know. I, I when I found out, I was like, "This is cool. This is really cool." I'm yeah. really, really happy for you. So, tell us about Quiet Light and what you do and and, and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, you bet. So I've been with them for about a year. Um, I was introduced to Quiet Light three and a half years ago because I, I bought a business through them. So I, I bought businesses through all the brokerages. All the brokerages have, you know, great pros of, of what they do and their niches and everything. And I hit it off really well with the Quiet Light guys and. Um, let's see. About uh, about a year ago, they were looking to expand and add some additional advisors, and I said, "Hey, like this sounds pretty interesting." I'd become close friends with a couple of them and mm. made some acquisitions and stuff through them, and said, "Hey, like this this seems like the next fit." I also realized too, Jared, I was I was uh, better at doing deals than I was operating my businesses, and so I brought on a really phenomenal operator who can operate the businesses, gave them huge upside equity portions cool. that are gonna that is gonna go in, and I realized. I had a lot more fun doing the deals, being part of the deals and putting those together. Um and so that that was kind of why I decided on that role. So with Quiet Light, we're we're like a lot of other advisors. We help, you know, people uh kind of get evaluation on their business, see what their business is worth. We help put a package together. We do a lot of direct outreach. We reach out to our list to help find buyers and uh kind of coach people throughout that process. And you know, we've had uh, I've been part of large exits, small exits. But what's really cool, Jared, is it doesn't matter how big the business is compared to someone else. If someone is operating a business, it's obviously meaningful to them. Mm. And and that exit to them is life-changing. Maybe it's not retirement money, but it's life-changing for them. And it's really cool to see, just the, the different range. And it doesn't have to be a, a seven-figure exit to be life-changing for a lot of people, as, as no. you know, right? My, my yeah. first exit was not seven figures. <laughs> and it was life-changing for me in the sense it gave me the capital for the next business and it gave me the confidence on the next business. And I, and I see that too. So yeah, that's a little about Quiet Light. We do um, only online businesses. Um, we do everything from e-commerce to content to SaaS to really affiliates to anything online. And uh, yeah, so... Happy to dive further into kind of what we're seeing and, and the market is changing pretty quickly. I would say um, a couple of years ago, it was um, kind of a normal market. And fast forward, the end of 2020, 2021, it just kind of started to explode. There's a lot of money flowing in these types of assets. It's kind of a new asset. It's not new for for us and probably the listeners, but for mainstream, uh, the the mainstream, in, in the mainstream world, it's these asset classes are relatively new, but there's a lot of money flowing into it. Um, so you know, there's a lot of businesses coming up for sale, but there's also a lot of money flowing to it. I just see more opportunities for for people to find the right business for them.
0: Yeah, cool, man. Cool, that's great. Congrats on getting good operators. And I think that's the hard one of the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur is when you're a new entrepreneur, is you got to just do everything, and you right. just got to make oh, it work. Man. And because of that. I know of this for myself in my own personal experience. I just thought I was good at. Uh, I thought I was good at all the things, um, and I just thought, all right, like I didn't really consider, and I wasn't. I'm telling you to be straight up. I was not good at all the things. I had to wear all the hats, um, and I was good at a few things. I was good at organisation. I was good at identifying things, um, and these sort of softer skills, uh, and I didn't. Because I was just in the, people will call it the hustle and the grind, and I went through that process of working too much and burnout and all that sort of stuff. But through that, I just couldn't identify what, not what I was good at and bad at, but what I liked, which is far more important, I think, than what you're good at and bad at. Um, And I dare say that you probably didn't like running the business as much as doing the deals, right? So... I'm interested as an entrepreneur, how do you, and I want to come to where the industry is headed with this, with this, the financing and and the mainstream that's coming to it. But I want to ask you, how did you go about working out what you liked as an entrepreneur, what you liked doing and what you didn't like doing and how you did more of what you did like and less of what you didn't like? How did you come across
1: that? I love that question. Um, I joke that it's taken me to my mid thirties to figure out what I liked and what I was good at and all those things, right? Because A lot of times it does take a lot of trial and error. And I think sometimes you're just jumping into the deep end of the pool and you're like, oh, I don't like this part of the business. Oh, I love this part, you know. Um, And having operated a lot of businesses, some with lots of employees, some with no employees, I, I realized I was okay at it, but I wasn't the best at it. And I didn't, I didn't love it. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much. And so I think people will go through this, and it's a lot of trial and error. You start with what you're good at, or you know, if you've got a career that you're working with, like you have certain skill sets that you have that can bring over to your new business or the business that you acquire. And that, that alone, like you'll start to know pretty quickly. At the beginning, you may not have enough money, or the business may not kick off enough cash to hire everything out or at least the pieces that you don't like, but you know, at the beginning you are doing everything. And I think that's why, so that you at least know who to hire, what it takes, what that role takes. Um, But after a while you start to dial it in and and I don't know how to, someone else can find that out other than just going through it. And then all of a sudden you're doing aspects of the business. You're like, I am not a good writer. And I'm saying this for me, I'm, I'm just not a good writer. I don't really enjoy it that much. And um, it turned out that there were great writers all around that were very happily looking to write, and so I employed them, paid them well, and and that's kind of worked out well for me. Um, mm. So I, I would say that that's probably the the main thing, and it, and it's not to be like a cop out answer. I think you just kind of have to go in and try it. Running an online business has so many moving pieces to it, and you kind of have to be wearing all the hats. And you'll know very quickly what you're good at and what you like and what you don't like, and it's going to be different from business to business. You know. You know, e-commerce has such a different skill set than, than content. Some of them merge over, but, you know, sourcing and everything is very different than finding good writers or writing good content. And so there's different aspects within all these different types of businesses. Uh, but I think you just got to jump in and figure out what, what you like and what you don't like. And I also think people can start with what they're good at. What do people tell them that they're good at? What have they been doing in their career up to a certain point? Um, are they good at identifying growth opportunities or are they also good at just maintaining and not breaking anything? Like mm. all those things you're bringing to a deal so that ideally you're bringing the things that you like and the things that you're good at to a business that needs those things. Right. You know, if I'm, if I'm, so in, give you an example, Jared, I, a couple of years ago, uh, he's now a friend, a good friend of mine. Like he's awesome. And uh, I met this guy and he was, he was a friend of a friend and he was selling his e-commerce business. And I was chatting with him. And in about five minutes, I realized this guy was so much better than me. He was so far ahead of me. He was amazing. <laughs> and I, after like five minutes, I was like, dude, let's just stop here. Like we were on a, on a phone call and I was like, can I just take you to lunch? Because I don't want to buy your business, but uh, uh, let me take you to lunch. You're so much better at e-commerce. All of my skill sets, I don't think I could add any value to this business. And that, that, that alone, like allowed me to then start seeing where the opportunities were for me in particular businesses. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that that was a bad business. It was fantastic. But I just don't feel like I could do anything better than what he was doing. (laughs) So, you know, ultimately you look back and like, ah, maybe I should have bought that business. It was a great business, but, um, you'll, you'll run into people where you don't actually bring anything to the table, but that's a good place to start as, you know, what are you good at? What do you like to do? and you'll bring that to the business that you're looking to acquire. I just
0: want to pause this episode for an immediate update. Online business owners and website investors, please note that SEO and digital marketing is changing forever. 2022 will not be the same as 2021, so you can't miss the Buying and Building Online Businesses Summit. This is a free virtual event, and we're going live on January 28th, 2022, with 12 world-class speakers from CEO Flipper Blake Hutchinson, Motion Invest co-founder John Gillham, e-commerce mastermind Mike Jackness, SEO expert Stefan Spencer, godfather of content marketing Joe Paluzzi, and many, many more. Don't get left behind when buying or growing your online business in 2022. We're going live on January 28th. So register at buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash online summit. That's buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash online summit. Link will be in the description too. See you there. Yeah, that's a that's a really good that's a re- like really good thing to think about. I think when you're starting out, you kind of just bought, need to buy something that is the least amount of risk for the capital that you're putting in, and work it out, and then realize what do I like about it, what do I not like about it. So one of the things that I guess. I do for myself and I've done for many clients in the mastermind is like, look, just write a list out of all the tasks and then the tasks that you don't like, put them over to the next column and then let's just create a process and a system around them and outsource that. And then,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you, then I see their business grow, not by doing anything else, but just doing that because they're just spending the, t- the thing that they're good at and the thing that they like is they just get better at it and they
1: like it even yeah. more because I lean Tara, into that I'm and the business that. grows because of it, right? Sorry. I'm totally stealing that, man. I'm going to take that same thing because <laughs> yeah, that's such a simple it. process. I've also seen that same thing work well with due diligence. When you look at due diligence and you're looking at a business to acquire, look at every single task and every line item on the PL and write mm. a name next to it. Who's going to be doing that? Like if it cool. says, you know, content, is your name next to that or is someone else's name next to that? Because that way you're not missing any tasks, but I love that. It's a simple way to figure out what you're good at and then build the processes and systems around what you don't like to do. Like, you know,
0: I am, I I love business, but there's just some things in business, in the multiple businesses that just get me frustrated. That I'm just like, oh, I just do not, like, urgh. Like, that task is just, like, get it away from me. Like, I don't want that thing in my life anymore. <laughs> and the quicker you get rid of it, just the better your life becomes, the better your business becomes. It's just a important thing. Um, and I think once you start, like, it's hard. It's really hard to get to that point as an entrepreneur that you're like, why am I still doing this? Like,
1: you know. But I... I I also want to say to everybody who's listening, like eventually you're going to go through a process and I, I go through this all the time still where you're like, well, I don't trust anybody else to do it as well as me, right? Mm. And um, that that's okay. Like I, I, as I as I had to grow with my businesses, I've had to say if that business, if that, if that um, other individual that I'm hiring, whether it's an employee or a contractor can get 80% of the way there of how I would do it and they're maybe doing it in whatever way works for them, that's good enough for me. 80% is good enough because if I have to do everything, there's just not enough me to go around. I'm going to run myself into the ground. I'm going to hate my life. And yeah. so they may, not, they may do it better than you, which is very common, but they also may not. You may say, I'm the best person to be able to do this. But if it's not critical to your business, get it to 80% and then move on. You know, mm-hmm. Focus on those other areas because you'll, you'll grind yourself into a pulp. And it's hard as entrepreneurs. The reason we become entrepreneurs is we want control. Right, we want control of everything, but that's also our demise. Is we still want control of everything, even though Mm. we need to release some of that control to free up our time, our energy, or move on to the bigger opportunities too.
0: Yeah, cool. That's a good. That's a really good piece of advice, Ryan. Let's switch into the industry because bananas, man. That's that's the way to describe it. The last year um, or two years, just money that's coming in, the multiples on, for what I believe, some e-commerce businesses that aren't worth that multiple um, especially for people that aren't e-commerce entrepreneurs uh, I'm mainly leaning towards FBA um, yeah, I, I, I've, I think it's just, I, I can see multiples going up, like it, it's just it, it, like you said, it feels like a new opportunity to a, a, a lot of people with bigger money but what, yeah, tell me what yeah. you're seeing and what you're predicting because it's, you know, you're, you, you know, you're seeing different deals that what I'm seeing um, come through quite yeah,
1: a lot. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of take it back a few months. So um, I would say like, say say two or three years ago, say, you know, 20, 2018, 2019, not a lot of people liked Purely Amazon-based businesses and Amazon FBA is Amazon fulfilled by fulfilled by Amazon. So basically, you have a brand or products that you're selling on Amazon.com or mm. you know .eu or wherever you're selling them. Mm. Um, so two three years ago, these were not as as popular. They were seen as very high dependency on Amazon. Okay, you know. Fast forward um, a year and a half to late 2019 or 2020 and early 2021. So earlier this year. Um, a lot of times, people started to realize that the back end of these businesses that were operating on Amazon were very similar, and it's true—they're the same uh, PPC, they're the pay-per-click, they're the same uh, type of process to launch businesses and, and launch brands and listings. Uh, on the back end, it's different, right? You have your sourcing that you're doing and you're working on. So what it, what a lot of people saw on the on the operational side is it was very similar across the board. So um, in a very short amount of time. I think $11 billion, Jared, has been raised across dozens and dozens and dozens of companies to buy these Amazon brands. And Mm so um, it's funny because a couple of years ago, nobody wanted them fast forward and was like, these things were just going gangbusters and the multiples were increasing dramatically. Um, A few things have happened within that, right? And this isn't necessarily across the board, but just some like overall trends. And um, Amazon FBA is a great space to be in. It's a great business to be in, but you have to be comfortable with the risks and you have to be comfortable with, you know, giving a lot of control to Amazon. I have built, bought and sold my own Amazon FBA businesses. And um, that's that's a level of comfort that I'm okay with, whereas other people aren't okay with it. And so there's a lot of money flowing to the space, but as, as more money flows to a space, you'll have the demand kind of go, like demand goes up and, and the supply is going to go up because a lot of the supply is saying, hey, this is a great time to sell. So a lot of times it will start to kind of even out a little bit. Um, those multiples for Amazon FBA businesses have gone up They've gone up more so compared to, like, say, 2019 or early 2020 numbers. Uh, but th- I would say they're starting to level off a little bit. Um, there's still a lot of money flowing to the space. There's the big, famous ones that have raised billions of dollars. But there's dozens, if not 100 or 200 more, that have raised, say, a million to 10 million, which doesn't sound yeah. like that much. But they're going to go out and buy, you know, anywhere from five to 10 of these Amazon brands and run them and operate them. So. Mm-hmm. I personally think that there'll be a roll-up of roll-ups and some of these other companies will start acquiring other ones. And um, a lot of what they're trying to do is take the good brands on Amazon and try to get them into retail, right? How do we get them into the pharmacies and the and the corner stores and, and the Walmarts of the world, right? Um, I think that's a, that's a great path. I think a lot of people are going to be successful at it. I think a lot of people aren't going to be successful at it. Um, as, as we talked a little bit earlier about supply chain and some of the issues you run into there is... You know, if you have supply chain issues with ten SKUs, Jared, you know you've got a problem. You know, you've got ten SKUs. If you have supply chain issues across a hundred companies and ten thousand SKUs, you've got some serious issues, right? So, mm-hmm. you also have to keep in mind that these, you know, they call them aggregators because they're aggregating Amazon FBA businesses. Is they have to be able to operate them. They have to be able to run um, di- very difficult and complex supply chains on the back end, and so. Um, most of the times it's very easy with Excel or Google Sheets to, you know, be like, I'm going to buy a bunch of companies, you know, um, it's a lot more difficult to operate them. As you know, you've operated businesses. So um, yeah. there's a lot of money flowing to the space. I would also say, too, um, it's it's a whole lot easier in theory than it is in practice, as everything is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm starting to see those level off a little bit. We're starting to see um, other types of buyers come into play. Like here in the U.S., we have Amazon... Uh, um, uh, the The government program of SBA loans; those are start, starting to come back in. Um, I, I would also say it's probably not the best time for you know people who don't have any e-commerce experience to try to go to compete on the bigger sides. I would look at some of the the fringe ones that you know. There's a lot of Amazon or e-commerce businesses for sale, and look for the ones that don't necessarily exactly fit the mold, but there's still a lot of opportunity there. So. Uh, hopefully, that kind of brings your listeners up to speed of what's happening. Um, I, th- th- this market is changing so fast, uh, with all the money raised. I don't know where it's going to be in three months. Well, I might have to do a follow up, right? Because, um, it is so different than it was three months ago, and 12 months ago, and two years ago. It's it's changing pretty fast, but, um, That's cool. yeah, it, it, and, and, and I think ultimately, if you've got, um, when I think about valuing businesses, and this is kind of like a blanket statement too, though, Jared is, um, I look at a lot of businesses, and you, you and I might look at the same business, okay, and it might be listed at say a three X. You look at the business and say, hey, that business is actually worth three and a half or four X because I know how to grow this thing. I know all the right tools. I've already got the right team. I might look at that business and say oh, I don't like this part of the business. I don't like that part of the business. I would never pay more than two X for that. Mm. And I don't think either of us are wrong. There isn't a right or a wrong answer. It's more of what I bring to the table in terms of my skill sets and my team and what you bring to the table. This might be a terrible business for me, but a wonderful business for you. And so yeah. if, if someone, just because you're in a bidding war or looking at a business and say, I don't think that the business is worth X. It's it might be to somebody else, right? Um, yeah. And a lot of times a business is worth what someone is willing to pay. What I mean by that is either you need to figure out a new business to look after, or you got to figure out different value adds that you're going to bring to that business. Because if the market rate is X and you're below that, you're obviously not bringing the right amount of value to be able to see what the market rate is. But at the same time, um, you know, don't get yourself in trouble by trying to overpay because if I overpay because you, Jared, thought it was worth three and a half X, it's you're not worth that to me because I don't have the right skill sets that you have. So, when you're valuing a business, there's the market rate and if you're below it, it's probably not the right business, but if you're always below it, you don't have the right skill sets or network. So,
0: wow. Wow, man. Yeah, we'll have to do a follow-up on on where the industry's heading, but that's a I can't not end on that um, piece of advice. That's <laughs> just too good. <laughs> where can we where can we send people Ryan to get in contact with you if they wish to?
1: Yeah. So you can find me on, uh, so let's buy a I'm on Twitter, Ryan Paul Conde, Condie C O N D I E. Um, that's probably the best place. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Ryan Condie. So I'm, I'm kind of all out, uh, on the interwebs. You'll find me. Awesome. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on and we'll
0: chat again soon. Thanks Jared. Appreciate the time.